Hey guys, welcome to Catholic in America. Today we're talking about critical race theory. We'll be talking about what critical race theory is, where it comes from, as well as what is our Catholic response to it. So stay tuned as we check out this very important and timely topic. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Catholic in America. I'm Father Michael Nixon. I'm joined today by my co-host, Father Tom Dillon, Father Doug Martin. And we're talking about critical race theory. So please like, share, or subscribe. So when discussing critical race theory, this is something that has become popularized by authors like Robin DiAngelo and even Rex Kendi. Um, most workplaces have uh, training, sensitivity training or diversity training that includes major elements of critical race theory. So asking that question, what is critical race theory and what is it, what is it found in it? Well, when you go back to its foundations, like critical race theory is founded in what's sometimes referred to as CSL or uh, critical legal studies, CLS, I'm sorry. Uh, so critical legal studies, which was like this movement of predominantly lawyers and people who were involved in the legal profession of trying to make a more equitable and more equal society, looking upon the fact that it seems that within society that the advances that were made in the 1960s and 70s in all the different uh, ways in which we were trying to improve society as a whole didn't work for certain subsects of the population. Or it stalled. Yeah, it yeah. stalled. It stalled, yeah, it stalled yeah. out. So like that's one of the origins of what critical race theory is, is kind of grown out of is critical legal studies. Critical legal studies though came out of a, another one which is critical theory. Critical theory which comes from a school of philosophers predominantly out of France and Germany of people who basically challenged the foundations of Western society. Um, people like Derrida or Michel Foucault. Um, you'll find that these philosophers as well as many others challenged everything that we had presupposed in Western civilization. And so they said, you know, we can't assume these things are true. Um, using kind of a skepticism as well as kind of this um, way of saying the things that we have presupposed for the last 2,000 years, maybe these things are not true. Right. And I think it's important because obviously three, you know, we, we can elephant in the room, three white guys talking about critical race theory yes. can automatically on the face be rejected. Well, you, they don't know what they're talking about. But in a sense, we're talking about the philosophical foundations of this, which come from German and French philosophers, um, white white men, basically in in, in the the uh, the academies of Germany and France, um, and that that as being overlaid with real and authentic problems and struggles that we have and a history of racial tension and, and violence in our country, in a sense, what's being used to explain that? So that that's really what we're engaging with here. So when we talk about critical race theory coming out of critical legal studies. Um, this, uh, you know, we're talking about, let's, let's talk about some tenets of this, of, of, and obviously it's not all universally held. Sometimes the objectivity is, is, not, is not there. You know, there's, not, there's a, a, almost an anti-objectivity that's, that's built into the philosophy here. But what are some of the major tenets of critical race theory? Right, I mean, you know, and also just piggybacking on that for a second, there also seems to be a divergence of opinions as well. This issue is extremely complex, and there's not even agreement inside of the community itself. The, you know, people who adhere to critical race theory, that there's divergences that are in there where some may not even agree with, with another's methodology. And that's important to, to recognize. So looking at what critical race theory is, we're going to talk about some some basically held tenets of it, and and that that kind of across the board. So, what are some of the the tenets of critical race theory that's important for us to engage with? Um, well, that's part of the difficulty with this issue. And that's kind of going to what Doug is saying with critical race theory is that the one of the tenets is that 
objectivity mm-hmm. and the difficulty of dealing with objectivity because they don't, it's really, they, there's no authority. Mm-hmm. There's no authority, even like the foundations in critical theory, critical legal studies, there's no universal authority which says that these are the tenets because there's no, because actually part of critical race theory says that there is no dogmas and doctrines. Um, it's rooted in a relativistic view of society that all things that are created are social constructs. Like all the works of human hands are social constructs. They are not rooted in objective reality, but they are the mere creations of human hands. So it is a, a rejection of objective standards, that standards themselves are subjectively created human constructs. And that, well, and that standards or dogmatic truth claims are a movement of power. And we could talk about that Correct. a little bit. But some broadly understood, what are some of the tenets of critical race theory? Uh, one of the first and probably the, one of the primary tenets, um, again, tenet being a loose, a loose word, is that race itself is a socially created uh, construct. As a socially created construct, also that racism um, is endemic. It permeates all of society. It's very common. Um, and therefore, it's also certain elements of racism are easy to see. Certain elements of racism are harder to see. And that is permanent. And it is a permanent, yes. Okay. It's a permanent feature of society because it's a permanent creation of power differentials, of those who have power suppressing those who do not have power. Right. It, you know, and it also contends uh, racism is much more than just a, an individual or actions and attitudes, that it's actually systemic, that it's um, a part of the societal institutions and sectors and constructs. And it's really more broadly understood as white supremacy. And of course, it's white supremacy. We, we always think about the KKK and you know those sort of Aryan movements and all that. But now it's, it's kind of moved even deeper than that, that white supremacy is not just those things, but it's also in the institutions that were created by well, white people. Well, and to clarify also that Many people, when they think about racism, especially from like a traditional Western civilization perspective, is that racism is an individual uh, perspective of my thoughts or my feelings. So it's an individualized experience. The theory, critical race theory, would, would promote what that's going to would is that no, this is not just an individual thing. This is something which is found collectively. This is something which is not just found in persons. It's found in organizations. It's found in institutions. It's a collective reality which is found in non-personal entities right. such as organizations, institutions, um, foundations, et cetera. Laws. Yeah. Laws. And, and yeah. Laws, which is where critical legal studies come from as well. So yeah. the, also another kind of tenant, and again, broadly, broadly uh, you know, loosely held, broad, broad, yeah. broadly uh, taught, of claims of objectivity, neutrality, universality, meritocracy, um, and colorblindness, that these are our claims, they're actually mechanisms of to, that disguise racism and oppression. Another one, probably one of the most important um, things that are being postulated by the theory, put forward by the theory, is the notion that objectivity. So, that, which is which also like, like, what does that mean? So, like the way in which we evaluate common objectivity, like for instance, the, the scientific method. Um, actually, critical theory, going back all the way to the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School and kind of Derrida and Foucault and things like that uh, challenged the scientific method as being a tool by which the minorities were oppressed. And so it's actually anti-scientific in the sense that it's the anti-scientific method as a way of evaluating. So that's when, when you say it's, it's, it challenges common understandings of objectivity, like how do you objectively 
um, evaluate and determine what truth is. And so like in that, there's a lot of ways in which it challenges the modern understanding of objectivity, as well as the modern understanding of what's referred to as neutrality. And that's where you get into CLS, so critical legal studies, which is neutrality under the law. It's so like when you create laws in society which are supposed to create a neutral society, thus colorblindness, like so uh, critical race is that, well, no, neutrality in law doesn't actually exist. And so it challenges a lot of the ways in which neutrality under the law as well as neutrality. Does colorblindness actually create a neutral society or does colorblindness, um, Martin Luther King's theory of what we need to be able to see beyond color, that I can just see people for their merits right. and so forth. But actually within the critical race theory, it challenges neutrality. Like that's, they say, according to the theory, that that does not actually work. So getting into, into this as well, that, that the use of language throughout all the critical theories is, 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 is different than the way words have been used and, and kind of you know, challenges that. So we talked about white supremacy, also racism itself. So racism, according to CRT, um, basically is, is not just prejudice or hatred against a different race. Right. It's prejudice plus power. That, I th yes. That's something that CRT makes very clear is that it's prejudice plus power. So if, if you are a disenfranchised um, minority within a, a, uh, a country or institution, then you can't be racist according, according to these principles as right. well. And I think, too, that that's something that's going to come up a lot um, when we talk about this is, is the difficulties of language. And, right. and, and, but also for us as Catholics and as Christians and why we can look at this critically, you know, is, is recognizing, too, that, that, that we stand on a foundation, which is the word, the word which is, which is, uh, which is God himself. So we looked at what the tenants, the tenants, uh, you know, loosely held of critical race theory are, what it's based in as far as critical theory and critical legal studies. Now the question I think is why? Why is this, why is this so prevalent today? And why are people um, subscribing to this and using this as, as a means of, of explaining and calling for change within society? I think the easiest thing is, is that there's injustice in the world, that it does exist and it's there, and that there needs to be something that's done about it, especially if you're the one who's receiving the, the, the lack of justice itself. Yeah, and jumping off of that, people's real experience, and this is not just like individuals, like isolated few people. This is a large segment of society. Although they fall into a minority, people feel and experience oppression. They feel themselves to not be free. They look at the people on the opposite side of, of their, where they find themselves to be, and they're like, these people look to be more free, free of oppressive, free of people coming down and saying, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And therefore, they, they want to say, no, why can't I do these things? And I'm finding myself subjected to the opinions or the belief standards of other people. And even the system is working for the, for the people who've got, who have more and have more opportunity. I don't know how to exactly say that. I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, the colloquial term of the, the man, you know, if we, yeah. if, you know yeah. recognizing that in very real ways, injustice and racially motivated injustice has existed here in the United States for a very long time. And yeah. so if you're looking for something to point the finger at, this kind of becomes a clear way of doing that. And I think maybe that's maybe one of the attractions of critical race theory is it's an explanation of everything. Like in a sense, critical mm -hmm. theories, without having to, to be nailed down to particular you know, 
factual statements that says this is an explanation of how every, everything is explained in terms of power. And in a sense, you can always, and this has been going on in the universities for a very long time. I was a history major at Florida State, and this is something that was coming up. But again, it's been popularized now. It's now becoming, in a sense, mainstream, um, really. Yeah, mainstreamed yeah. Uh, now, but it, it's been at the universities for, for a very long time. Well, I'm going back to a little bit to the history. That was one of the, the reasons for why CLS would kind of broke off, or at least they used CCT, critical theory. But the, the, one of the problems that CLS recognized within critical theory was the fact that there was lacking in praxis, or what, another way of saying that, lacking in movement. Like, how? okay, it's great to talk about these things, but how are we going to change this? And that's why CLS was about, let's make some changes. Let's not just talk about these issues, let's make changes. And that's why... The changes, which is within critical race theory, jumping off of CSL, CLS, is that, okay, the changes have not been enough. And now it's become much more of a movement. And therefore, like in critical race theory, the movement or the praxis is to move. Like we want to move. And it's deconstructionism. And deconstructionism. Is, is, is the movement. That, that's yes. basically. So any, mm -hmm. any structure within society um, needs to be deconstructed. And that's interesting, too, because to me, in a sense, one of the other attractions to this and why this is probably so widespread is it gives a clear way to be good without actually having to change that much. Like, I, I could be good as long as I believe the right things about white privilege or believe the right things about society or systemic racism, that all I need to do in order to be good is, is, is to believe those things. I don't actually have to Right. I don't have to really. change, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's not much. I, I have to, you know, post about it on social media. So in a sense, there's an attractiveness. I want to be good. There's Everyone desires to be good. Right. And in this way, I don't actually have to do the hard work of growing in virtue, but I, I can, you know, just, just subscribe to a belief. No, and the, the problem, according to critical race theory, is, is the structures themselves. That they're created by the majority for the advantage of the majority, which leaves the minority wanting. The movement that has not been created is because of the structures themselves. And so that's the explanation as to why there hasn't been more movement. So it's something else that's got to be deconstructed. Something else that's got to be changed and, and made to work for everyone. Yeah, so when also within the theory is this notion that um, oppression... And on a, as a general idea, like it makes, it does make sense. All forms of oppression, which oppress the freedom of individuals or of groups, if you have any form of oppression, oppression is evil, oppression is bad, oppression is wrong. And so like in this, you'll find this, and this is where you'll get to some of the, like the foundational thinkers, such as Michel Foucault, who um, was a French philosopher, um, a queer philosopher in France, who basically said that this notion of that power differentials is that you'll find that you have certain segments of the population which are in the majority. You have certain segments of the population which are in the minority. And the majority uses their greater power, their greater strength, to oppress the minorities. And so that's why critical race theory is not just about racism. And that's where, there's the, that's where people get confused because they're, like, they're like, I thought we were talking about race here. This includes anyone who finds themselves in a minority who find themselves oppressed or feeling or experiencing oppression by the majority of opinions or the majority of truths and majority of standards or the majority of laws. So therefore anyone who finds themselves, whether it be uh, LGBTQ, whether it be people of color, whether it be people of uh, varying different um, opinions and things like that, who find themselves, anyone who finds themselves in a minority. Yeah. Gender, yeah. definitely yes. able. Anyone yeah. who finds themselves in a minority is being oppressed. And therefore, this is an experience of oppression. This is a, a, where I'm not free. And therefore, the human spirit was created for freedom, like, or the, free, the human experience is for freedom. And therefore, you, what, by what right are you oppressing my individual 
freedom. So much so that to say something is normal by the majority group is an oppression of the minority group because right. what we consider normal may, may not be in the lived experience of the group. Something interesting that's come up a lot recently is an attraction, again, so why do people subscribe to this, uh, the critical theories maybe across the board and critical race theory that we're talking about today, is a, in a sense, a, an attractiveness towards being part of an oppressed group which, which is, seems strange, you know, but, but, but you kind of see people like, that's why you have an intersectionality to say like, well, I may not be a person of color, but I'm a woman, or I might not be a woman, but I'm, 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 I'm gay, or I might not be gay, but I, you know, w whatever it is, you know, uh, I'm, I'm differently abled, you know, there's, there's all sorts of kind of things, in a sense, to try to say, how can I find myself somewhere within, within this that helps me to, in a sense, have an identity. I think that's maybe one of the things, too, that, that in a, in a, in a postmodern society, there's an attraction towards having some sort of identity. So again, some of the, some of the why there. I think I think what we've we've discussed is that this has been coming up for a long time in the universities. Has been coming up in in different uh, uh, grievance study areas, um, and that and especially because of lack of movement. That that progress. There's not been enough progress made. That it still exists. That there's still oppression. That there's still opportunities for. You know, for racism, no matter how you define it. Yeah. So we're going to, we brought up a lot of different things here, a lot of um, what critical race theory is, why people believe it. And we're going to get in when we come back from our break, we're going to get in a little to our response as Catholics to this, how we, we are called to respond, how we are called to engage with this. So thank you so much, and we'll see you right after this break. Hey guys, thanks for checking out Catholic in America. I'm Father Michael Nixon, and I like to party. <laughs> and I am Father Tom Dillon, uh, priest here in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. I think I have the longest hair in the, probably the state, and uh, I too like to party. I like whiskey and cigars. Father Doug Martin, I'm also a priest here in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, and I'm married and roll tied. Oh my goodness. Uh, yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> I was okay with the being married part, but roll tied thing. <laughs> In Catholic in America, we engage the intersection between faith and culture. Tune in every week because no topic is out of bounds. We want to thank you so much for supporting this show by watching it, by liking, sharing, and subscribing. How else can they support the show? You can also become a patron on Patreon and support us financially. So if you support us, there's all kinds of swag. There's t-shirts, there's coffee mugs, maybe bumper stickers. I don't know, maybe we could come up with a wig from Father Tom. <laughs> Father Tom wig would go, go a long way. So thanks for your support. God bless y'all and check us out next time on Catholic in America. Hey guys, welcome back to Catholic in America. We are talking about critical race theory today. Please like, share, and subscribe. And as always, we thank you for your great support. And if you'd like to continue your support, or if you've never supported us before, please support us on Patreon. So one of the, one of the things I think that is important for us that we always got to come come back to Jesus. You know, Jesus is is <laughs> as a Catholic that he has to inform our response to everything. So the constant call of the Lord to uh, to allow our hearts to be changed. To uh, you know that, that the Lord came to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind. That you know, so so that yeah. always is has to be our starting point whenever we talk about a difficult issue like critical race theory or like racism in general. Well, and I think that it's also important to recognize that within critical race theory, um, the goodness of it, like the, the value of critical race theory, is that it's trying to address social sin. It's yes. trying to address social evils. 
Um, the difficulty from the Catholic position is that it's trying to address social sins or social evils apart from the figure of Christ. Um, and that's where Jesus is absolutely central for, as a Catholic response to grave, not just individual evils, but also social evils and social sins. Mm. And so from that standpoint, though, like the critical race, though, is theory tries to do that, but without the person of Christ. And, you know, I mean, just understanding that, that racism is a pro-life issue. I mean, it is something as Catholics and as Christians that, that we should care about. And I think if you ask most people, they would say, yeah, I care about that. But in, we need to be asking questions of why and how. And, and sometimes we aren't doing that. And instead, we're just responding to um, what we see and what we don't like, rather than trying to understand where each person is coming from. The criticism that come up too, the criticisms, as soon as it makes me uncomfortable, it's very easy to reject it. You know, it's right. like, like I'll believe whatever you say, whatever the Bible teaches, whatever Jesus says, as long as I don't have to change. Right. I think that's, that, that's always the question. So, so one of the things that, that, um, that comes up a lot as far as justice in society, that we're, we're, we're striving, we're not just, well, one day we'll all be in heaven. We're, we're working to build a more just society, cooperating with the structures, recognizing we're in a fallen world that's afflicted by sin. Um, but I love this quote from Gaudium et Spes, which is a major document um, in the church about the church's engagement in the world. The joys and hopes, the griefs and the anxieties of the people of this age, especially those who are poor or in any way afflicted, these are the joys and hopes, the griefs and anxieties of the followers of Christ. So we need to ask that question. Are we having those conversations with people who are actually experiencing the, the, the history of racism and impact in their lives today. Because if not, like we're, we're not we're not being faithful to our own teachings. We're not being faithful to what the gospel. Yeah, we're is, not walking is, with them. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're called to walk with those who are oppressed, those who are hurting, those who need help. I mean, that's that's been the church's mission all along. And so, if we're ever going to understand this, then there has to be conversation, even when the conversation gets difficult and tough. One of the things that that I think comes up a lot too is. And this is hopefully where our critique is coming in of critical race theory is the philosophical presuppositions. And one of one of the things that, in a sense, I think is is one of, one of the great aspects of the Catholic Church is we engage in philosophy, we engage in in self criticism, in being able to see reason and being able to engage with different philosophies. Um, but one of the inherent to critical race theory is if you question critical race theory, then you are inherently racist, which I think is is a non-starter. And that that needs to that needs to be brought out, you know, brought out to the fore to say like you can't have a philosophical system that in and of itself can't dialogue with other philosophical systems, can't can't bear it to can't be, be questioned. Can't yeah. be questioned. Well, and that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that goes to the whole kind of the which is what we're accused of all the time. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> we get it. It goes back to kind of Derrida, uh, the philosopher Derrida, who is like, let's be critical of everything that came before. But with the problem with deconstructionism in general, as well as with Derrida and a lot of these different thinkers, is that where is the self-analysis? Hmm. Like, and that's part of what actually, from our Christian perspective, is that Christ calls us to be ana to analyze other systems and things like that as we promote the gospel into the world today. But also the gospel calls us not just to tell other people the truth, but also tells us to look inward at ourselves and see how does the truth apply to me, first apply to me so that I'm looking at the log in my own eye and not the splinter in others, mm. but right. that I'm looking inward first. And so like there's this first inward introspection ideally that Christianity, now do all Christians do this? No. And have we done this perfectly as a collective church? No, at times we've not. But still, there is rooted within our tradition, as well as within our philosophy and our faith, is this introspective of being self-critical. And the problem, that the, one of the main critiques 
of critical race theory, as well as all the critical critical theory, critical is that it's critical of others, but where's the self-analysis? Where's mm -hmm. the, the recognition of that th there might be problems within this particular theory? Like, where is that happening, as opposed to just pointing the finger at others? Like, where's the self-introspection? Yeah, because yeah, justice comes, I mean, really justice does come from, um, you know, really coming to grips with, with the painful past and the painful history, and we're asking, I mean, you know, critical race theory is asking others to be, you know, critical of that, to really think about that and take that into consideration. And I do think that that is a good thing that we should be doing as, as Americans, as Christians, as Catholics, is looking at the ways in which our society, our structures have been racist in the past and making sure, trying to assure those ideas aren't still there, aren't still prevalent, and aren't still uh, an issue to it. But when we when we find those when we find those inequities, we have to be willing to to name them and repent of them. To be able to move on from those things ourselves, not move on in the sense of we forget them, but move on in the sense of correcting them and trying to make up for you know for some of the past, but mm -hmm. also to making sure and assure that this isn't going to continue to happen in the future. Well, and the, also that there's not this total depravity of the past. That's one of the difficulties yeah. of critical race theory is that. It assumes this total depravity of all past intentionalities of the of whoever created these particular structures. So, like if these particular structures were created by a majority, that there is a almost a total depravity, almost like this this Lutheran total depravity of human nature, human of all these things. And that if the majority created it, it has to be torn down because it is totally corrupt. And it's yeah, going it's to in this cancel culture. Yeah, that and it's going to totally already. suppress yeah. those in minorities. And so like within that though, like not everything, you can have a person who creates good structures and that's why like a structure when it's created is created, yes, it might be flawed if the principles of the structure are flawed, but just because the intentions of a person, like that's where like when we look at it from a Catholic perspective, only God knows the mind and the heart. And for mm -hmm. me to read intentionality is for me to judge the mind and heart of another human being. And I don't know what that, just as like, the validity of people who advocate like this is my experience and I've experienced racism. I, I, that's, I don't, I might, I don't know that. Maybe I don't know that because I don't know your story. On the other hand, like to judge people from the past and to read intentionality and motive into this without looking and finding it present in the principles. That's why like structures, institutions are created upon principles. Now, principles can be racist mm -hmm. if they are actually, and you can prove them objectively. That's why, like, it, but it's not like this magical understanding of, of how sin is trans. It's like if a, if a structure is racist, like you have to say, where's the principle? And that, then that gets a lot into the narrative as well. You know, like this, this which I think is important. There's something uh, important about that, about what is my story, even even mm -hmm. story of faith and conversion, or my story of woundedness, people that are in counseling or other things too, on a personal level, they have to come to grips with their story. In a sense, we have to come to grips with our story of, of our society, of our church, of our world. Um, but to reduce all truth to that, I think is, 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 is that it's that plus, plus the story. And maybe that that's where I think we need to do a better job of telling the story, which is that God has triumphed over sin and death, that, that, that evil does not have the last word and that Jesus' death on the cross has destroyed the powers of sin and death and the devil. And I think maybe one of the struggles that we have with this kind of overarching narrative of, of racism um, in critical race theory is that it's this power in the world that has never been defeated and never, in a sense, never will be defeated, right. which I uh, 
am against and, and, and in a sense kind of leads to like a hopelessness because um, the statement basically, if you are of a dominant racial um, identity, then you're always going to be racist. You can be, anti, you can work against it. You can kind right. of, you know, revoke your privilege and different things. But in, instead to say like Jesus' death actually did triumph over all sin, including racism. Right. And if we don't recognize that, then, then unfortunately, painful parts of our own history become become the story rather than part of the story that God is actually doing something beautiful. He's actually redeeming our story. So I, I, like, I like to dive into a, kind of like how this interfaces with theology too and how this is seeped into uh, you know, uh, preaching and teaching and, and engagement with, with social issues. But, but looking at this, like you were saying something about the crit, you know, critical theory and, and our understanding of the word critical, how important it is to, to distinguish the, t- oh, the two uses. Well, and that's, I mean, that's the problem of language. Like, and I think that all of us have experiences where you use one word and another person thinks they understand it. And that's why like in, in like marriage and marriage counseling and things like that, like one of the, the rules that we give to people, which is a really great one, is like, this is what you said, this is what I heard. What did you mean? Because like so much conflict in the world is unnecessary, but is due to Babel. I mean, going back to the story of Babel in the Old Testament, like, and the misunderstanding of language. But that's where sometimes like people, you can also equivocate in language, which means that you have one definition, but another person substitutes a different definition. And that's where you get into like the problems with a lot of the conflict that we experience in the world is due to equivocation and is due to this misunderstanding of language. So when you look at like, some of the, that's why definitions are really important, like, like definitions, because without definitions, without hard definitions, like we're all using loosey-goosey language, which is going to cause confusion and it's going to cause unnecessary conflicts. So like when you look even at the word critical, like within, this, within the critical studies, like this is not the way that people commonly understand the word critical, because within CRT, CT, CLS, the word critical is a criticism of what is already present versus it is not meant in the academic sense. In the academic sense, it's like I'm going to do a critical analysis mm-hmm. of this, an objective analysis where I'm going to use an objective standard. Where I can and should be criticized. And where I'm, yeah, yeah, where I yeah. open myself up to criticism to others because now here's the standard. You can evaluate it. I mean, in the Catholic Church, that's one of the things that we provide is the dogmas, the doctrines, where you can evaluate it, you can look at it, you can test it, and you can judge whether or not you believe this to, tr- to be true. That's where, like, within this, within the studies, that's why they don't give, within CRT, they don't give hard definitions because, one, they don't believe that, they're, that they exist. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's where, like, one of the main conflicts comes. And the same thing with, like, racism is, like, the definition of racism is evolving and changing. Right. And in that sense, it's evolving and changing. And it's, it's self-perpetrating because it will always expand and grow. And it's interesting because I think this is where we come back to the objective reality and, in a sense, that's been – is – explicitly rejected, obje- objective truth is explicitly rejected by the critical theories. And most objective be- definitions. Because when they, when it disproves the theory, it's because it's racist, or it's because it's against the minority, or it's because it's coming from a place of power. So in a sense, it, it makes us un- incapable of having any conversation, which our, our faith, going back to our Jewish roots, so much of it comes from dialogue, comes from right. being able to engage and disagree and still love, coming from a place of love, hopefully. One of the things, uh, and I think maybe this, this, this draws into our own understanding of our theology too, is I think in the church, maybe in the American church, you know, that we get sometimes very comfortable with 
acts directed at helping individuals, but not necessarily asking the questions of why do these individuals need help? I, I always think about this this yeah. this phrase, and it's 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 a damning phrase that says, um, if you help the poor, you're, they call you a saint. If you ask why are they poor, they call you a communist. You know, like, and yeah. I, I, th- I mean, that, that's one of those questions. Why are these people poor? Be like, hey, don't ask those questions. In a sense, it's it's kind of like you know, but we should be able to ask those questions because we stand on a foundation of of who we are as Christians and. We're calling for personal conversion, and we're looking towards heaven, but we're also saying, like, in the here and now, how can I help people to better their circumstances and their situations? Right, kind of using that phrase, the poor will always be among you. Mm-hmm. you. You don't really need to ask that question because it's, it's a, just an accepted thing. It's always going to be there. Instead of seeing, yeah, asking, well, why, why is that even? Why, why, why would, must they be there? Is that really what Jesus intended with that message, with, with his statement? Well, and within critical race theory, like this is where the narrative, like the narrative expression of narratives are important, which obviously narratives are hugely important when understanding another person's perspective, where they're coming from. But in the narrative approach to things, which kind of paints a narrative as opposed to looking at facts, things like that. So the narrative is that the reason why poverty exists as a reality in America today is because of the effects, obviously, of slavery. Like that's why... um, Many people believe that themselves to be oppressed by white privilege, oppressed by white power, um, and therefore they find that. But that's, that's a very simple narrative for a very complex reality. Yes, absolutely, the effects of slavery in the United States have long-standing effects, which we're still experiencing to this day. But there's also lots of other effects, and there's, that's where like the narrative, if you paint the narrative as a singular reason, which is that this is a consequence of slavery, that negates other possible narratives which other people are talking about, such as the breakdown in the families, the consequence of the 1960s and the sexual revolution, like the advance of artificial contraception and the decrease in birth rate, all of these things which also affect and are pieces of poverty. I mean, the effects of Planned Parenthood and the effects of Margaret Sanger and uh, W.E.B. Dubois, who came out with these social theories that this is going to eliminate poverty, and yet all that we've had is actually the reverse. And so painting poverty into kind of this one facet or this one feature that it's a consequence of slavery is, I think it's, a, it's an oversimplification of a very complex thing. And that's one of the reasons I would say that Jesus did say the poor will always be among you because there are many factors Right. upon which uh, poverty comes in and is still present in the world. And they're not negligible. You know, so it's no, not, it's, I always think the Catholic right. both and is so important here where it's not this like, oh, slavery was a long time ago, that kind of callous, or Jim Crow was, you know, not, not that long ago, but, you know, like, you know, yeah. um, you know, redlining was up until very, very recently, but it's right. not happening now. It's now illegal. In a sense, that the effects of those, of accumulated wealth, the effects of mass incarceration, the effects of vagrancy laws in the South that picked up drug black war. men for just not having a yeah. job after being freed slaves and so put them in the prison system, the, the cycles of that, yep. um, you know, not access to school, all those things, th- th- those are real. And in addition to that, the breakdown of family life. And in addition to that, the sin in every human heart, you know, our own tendencies towards lust or greed or pride. So it's, it's both of those things. So we need to call for the conversion of, of, of organizations and systems and things and, and reach out to people while we still maintain that every single person stands before God and is called to, to, to convert, to become um, holy, become a better man, better woman. So growing in virtue, those sorts of things. So it's, it's that Catholic both and that I think is so critical that is, is kind of is, is scapegoated, just says, well, this, the system has to change. 
And so therefore, I don't have to change, which I think, you know, comes from a lot of people who who well, hold, hold with these theories as well, who aren't necessarily a minority. Yeah, yeah. Not only do you have to, you're incapable of it. I mean, that's some of what this says is, is that the reason why we have to change the system is because as an individual or as a collective group, you're incapable of change. And so we have to create something where we change your actions, not, not from within, but from without. Mm. But I think that also recognizing the greatest praxis Right, going back to the word praxis, the great movement towards change, which can happen within the individual or collectively within the society. And this is obviously from our Catholic perspective. I mean, this is one of our, our basic tenets is that the truth, capital T, the truth will set you free. Because like, where does freedom come from? And where is the source of freedom? And where does freedom come from? Is freedom a subjective experience or is freedom an objective reality? And so like that notion of the truth, the truth, where will freedom come from? Will freedom come from the state? Will right. freedom come from where I'm able to do whatever I want? Or is freedom an encounter with objective truth? Like, and that's where like looking at the objectivity of truth, as well as like, it is truth that will set you free. That's why when Jesus shows up before Pilate, and you have that whole famous conversation yeah. between Jesus and Pilate, which is, uh, I am the truth. And then he's like, truth, what is that? Yeah. Like, but if you deny truth, objective truth, you find you, you will always find yourself in a enslaved state because it's truth that sets you free. Not my personal truth, not right. my narrative truth. It's the, it's the truth which unites all human beings together as one. One of the things which actually I do like within critical race theory is this notion is that race is a social construct because that's part of the, of the theory is that yeah. race being a social construct, there's just one humanity. Amen, yeah. And that we are all one, one, we are one, there is one humanity and that all these things that divide us are oftentimes social constructs. And I would agree with that um, in a limited sense, but it's also this, it's the truth. It's universal truths. It's objective truths, which will unite us together. The greatest truth being the person of Jesus Christ who came into the world to offer us freedom. And any, any route to freedom that tries to get to freedom, get through the gate, without going through Jesus, you cannot get through the gate without that truth. So this, you know, obviously this begins the conversation and we're hoping to have some other conversations um, here on the show with, um, with other thinkers and people who have been engaging um, w with these questions of racism, of injustice, of critical race theory, um, of a lot of the, the modern social movements that we're seeing on a daily basis. But hopefully this conversation begins to help people to, to look at this with a critical lens, to be able to speak the truth too. I think that, that's one of, one of the things as well that, that we, need, we can't just go along with things just because it's, we'd be a, pri a pariah if we didn't. Right that we have to have the courage to be able to stand in the truth and to be able to, to recognize that these theories, they might have some limited applications, but they don't tell the whole story. That, and, and the gospel, Jesus Christ fully reveals this to ourselves. So it's really only in him that, that we, we find that real hope for change and transformation of individuals and of society as a whole. So thank you guys so much for uh, joining with us in this conversation about critical race theory. Uh, thank you for all those who are uh, subscribing and liking and sharing these videos, all those who are our supporters on Patreon as well. We can't do this without your help. Until next time, we'll see you on Catholic in America.